it's so yeah it's held at their sales office so yeah. obviously we, we can't have other developers we actually have the developer at metropia there but they're 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 as, as guests they're not speaking okay all that Robinson sales office and will there be food yeah so there were food uh wine and cheese lots of food wine and cheese Oh, lots yes. of food. Always. Always. <laughs> yeah. You missed the last one. The I, photo. What was the last one anyways? So the one you sent me that I said, oh, I like it, but where's the one bedroom plus flex? What, which yeah. I thought that was, I thought that was yeah. Remington. No, so that's a Metropia project. Uh, that's okay. coming out sometime next week. That one is right next to the Go Train Station and York University is like, currently being built and it'll finish some point next year. Okay, but they're a good group? Yeah, they're really, they're, they're one of the biggest real estate family in Canada and their products are good yeah they're all the, all the layout sizes are proper livable spaces I don't know if you had time to think about this, you know, how can a healthcare professional, like someone like myself, doctors, nurses, like they're extremely busy. And so yeah. they don't have the time to do the work and flip and buy old houses. And, you know, they'll do that for their primary resident. But if this is a investment type, you know, yeah. how can, how can a healthcare professional get started in real estate investment? What are the type of things you suggest? What are the type of things we look for? And the second question is, you know, what is needed? How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for healthcare professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. So welcome back, everybody, to the uh, How Is My Financial Health Talk podcast, and I am your host, Vuket Tran. Today, we're going to be talking about real estate again. I mean, you guys know my two favorite topics, real estate and insurances. Obviously, I love to talk about finance and everything finance for healthcare professionals and physicians, but these two are dear to me and my favorite. And so today, we're going to talk about Real estate investing, another topic on real estate investing. We're not talking about, you know, buying your first primary residence. We can talk about that too, actually, if our guest is willing to shed some light on that. So my guest today is actually my real estate agent. Her name is V. No. Now, this is how it happened. I put out a podcast and uh, one of the listeners wrote back and say, Vu, you need to put that lady on the show. And I wrote back and said, what lady are you talking about? 
says, no, that lady you keep referring to on your pre-construction podcast. I'm like, oh, V. Okay, I need to put V on my podcast. So V, welcome to the show. You've been you've been demanded, you've been requested to be on my show. Oh, wow. I can't believe it. <laughs> so I'm, I'm really happy to have you on my show. V, tell us a little bit about yourself uh, and what do you do and where do you work? Yeah, for sure. So I've been in the real estate industry for 10 years now. I started earlier on my career right after school. I started working at developer sales office, doing admin, learning all the little things about the pre-construction world. Around the same time, I also uh, uh, I wanted to become a commercial real estate appraiser. And one of my friends ended up getting me a job in uh, the commercial real estate world. So I kind of did these two jobs simultaneously. I would do like the weekend jobs at the developer sales office, and I would do uh, appraisal. And I, I started getting do my courses to get my license. Um, long story short, I didn't finish it. Um, I eventually realized I wanted to get into sales, but I picked, uh, so I picked, I started off doing commercial sales just because I like that side more. It's more numbers related. There, there's no emotional in, in commercial real estate. It's all, yeah. Uh, that didn't work out. I ended up going back on the red side and doing a lot more pre-construction and resale properties. And I have this unique skill set of knowing, understanding the commercial world. So combine all that. Yeah. Uh, ever since then, I've uh, been doing this. Just give us a little sense, a little glimpse of your world. Okay. So when you say real estate, pre-sale, sorry, resale, pre-con, commercial, give us a little glimpse of what a real estate agent can really work with. You mentioned a few. We talked about resale, which is a resale house. Um, may it be a primary residence or even a investment. It could yes. be a pre-construction, which we talked about. I talked about in my previous podcast. And commercial. What is commercial? Okay, so commercial real estate. It's a totally different ballpark. So when you say commercial real estate, it's actually a really broad term because within commercial real estate, there's special asset class uh, which is retail so you're looking at kind of your street front mixed use enclosed mall anything to do with uh restaurant retailers shopping that sort of thing and then you have your office building industrial buildings uh those are kind of interchange and then you have land which in the pre-construction world so before you even buy a condo developers are out there sourcing for deals they're looking at different like you know what, what what kind of infrastructure is going to be placed in the future where they makes the most sense for them to buy that parcel of land invest that money and in return get be able to sell that let's just say a major developer says i want to, i want to buy land typically do they come to brokers or to, typically do they have their own land surveyor and land real estate agents and say, I'm going to buy one piece of the green belt. <laughs> How does it work <laughs> typically? That's funny. Uh... <laughs> it's an inside joke for those in Ontario, because there's a big debate about, you know, opening the green belt by uh, our premier Doug Ford. So we're, we're both laughing about it. Okay, so in terms of sourcing land, there's it really depends on the developer. So like a developer, uh, like, for example, Remington, they're third generation builders. These lands that they own have been in a family forever. So they're not often sourcing for deals because they're, they they have enough deal uh, land to build a lot of homes and mixed use properties. 
other developers, if they don't have a good, uh, like, oh, someone like Tridel. So Tridel used to have land, but all their lands have been built out. So all, all any projects that you see Tridel building, you'll notice it's always a partnership. So Tridel is really good with construction marketing. They'll do, they'll take care of one part of the uh, development cycle and then another uh, partnership would kind of have that land. Another developer, uh, there's, and then there's also special groups. For example, I, I work with uh, this very special group. They're in the business of strictly sourcing assembled land and then they'll sell it off to a developer to actually build it. Wow. Okay. But that's, yeah, that's really hard. Like, assemb land assembly is the toughest deal in real estate in the real estate transaction world. It's right. Getting like multiple people to agree to sell. It's, it's right. very hard. <laughs> Uh, of course, uh, uh, you know, trying to get 10 doctors to agree on one thing is very hard. Imagine yeah. piece of land. Yeah. So then, oh, brokers. Yeah, oh, we did talk about brokers. So there's uh, so it all depends on the group. And there's obviously brokers, too. Uh, if you're a really big builder, you don't really you don't have a broker. People just come to you. The smaller guys will have their own dedicated brokers. And then some of the some of the really big in-house people, they have a designated person or team. So if me, individual, Vuket Tran, wanted to buy raw land, I would go to someone like yourself or a real estate agent that deals in commercial real estate? Yeah. Okay. Okay, good to know. They'll have to understand that because land is very, it's, it's, it's a special asset class where... Yeah, it's it's very complicated. It is very complicated. It sounds complicated when I listen to all the podcasts about buying raw land. But you know, it seems like in the U.S. they they buy a lot of raw land more than Canadians do. So there's there's more there's more real estate opportunities for raw land in the U.S. than it is in Canada. Those are the major ones. Did we miss any other type of real estate investing or investment or real estate asset that we didn't talk about? Uh, no, I think you got it all. Like, we got uh, it all. So, oh. yeah, resell existing properties, pre-construction, and then within pre-construction, there's also assignment sales, which right. the market right now for assignment sales is like a bloodbath. We'll talk about assignment a little bit later when we go into that, because I think most people are like, well, what is assignment? We're not yeah. there yet. So let's build a context. Me, myself, and other you know listeners uh, around this podcast saying, you know what? Vu has been talking about real estate investing for so long. Like he got me really interested. I want to do it. So, but I don't know how to do it. I'm just a doctor. I know how to cure people, but I don't know how to buy real estate. So here's a question for you, V. For a brand new beginner, what for, what are the first few steps, few steps you think we need to look at before we even jump in? What what would you recommend? Okay. So step one and two simultaneously. Uh, you need to figure out your budget. So talk to your banker, a mortgage agent. Uh, you need to figure out what you're pre-approval for and figure out a budget and stick within it. At the same time, you also obviously need a good real estate agent uh, to help you find these deals and uh, figure out what you're comfortable with. So I, I know you don't like old properties that require more work, you're more a passive investor. So if you're a super passive investor, then, you know, pre-construction, that's, that's very passive. 
you yeah. have your deposits and it takes forever for these buildings to get completed. So, okay, one, figure out your budget. How much money can you dedicate to this project? Let's start with one project first. Okay, so let's just say I've got um, two, $300,000 sitting around somewhere and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to buy something. And uh, I listened to Vu's podcast and he said um, a lot of great things about pre-construction. It seems to fit my my lifestyle. So I'm going to do pre-construction from your standpoint. So I, I've got 300 grand. I want to buy pre-construction. What's the next step? What should I look for? Okay, so pre-construction number one and two. Well, we all know real estate is always about location, location, location. But pre-construction different where the builder is actually sometimes more, more important important than the location because the last thing you want to buy in pre-construction is buying from a builder that won't build then all this money that you're putting in you're not going to make any money you're going to it's, it's going to cost you t- like you're losing the opportunity cost of time you could have put that somewhere else true location 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 and then developer so tell us a little bit about developers what am I looking for? You're looking for a developer that's reputable, been in, lo- in the business for a long time. They have built many buildings. And I mean, a quick Google search, you'll figure out where they built, go on their company website. That's the best indicator. Look at what they've built. Uh, I've made the mistake of buying on location alone. Uh, and simply because I bought one for my mother. Uh, who wanted a smack downtown Chinatown, Toronto. So Mm -hmm. I I bought a condo there, but it was not from a reputable uh, developer. I mean, at the end of the day, the building still stands. Uh, It hasn't crumbled yet. So you're right. Uh, Finding the the right developer is important. And also the after sale is important because you have to deal with the property manager. You have to deal with the developer. And after buying a pre-construction, you still have seven years of carry-on warranty, right? So dealing with the the proper developer is, is also useful. I've got my money. I've got the location. I've, I figure out that where I want to buy, it's the right developer. What next? I'm I'm buying a precon here. What next? What are the diff- What is the next step? I should be okay. watching so out for. You need to figure out a, a real estate agent that has been that, that works in the pre-construction space because the you know you see an ad on Instagram. There's uh, well over say fifty thousand agents in the GTA. Someone putting an ad up doesn't mean they have access to these projects, unfortunately. Uh, so you gotta find someone who's been in the business and knows the right people it's all it's a relationship industry so just as much as you know your relationship with with them they have to have the same relationship with builders to get you into these projects correct and i've learned that from you to be honest so i don't even remember how i landed on your page she i think she registered for what my my office did an ad she registered and i think we met everyone at my office one weekend and yeah it was Four years ago. And that's history, right? So so what V is saying is Ban is my sister. So this is, I've had, I now have like a hundred and something episodes in my podcast. And this is the first time I mentioned my sister. Okay. So my sister, her name is Ban and she's an accountant and she's older than I am. And she, we, I would say 
love to invest in real estate. You know, what do you want? We're Chinese. We love real estate. So I guess what happened is Ban registered on your website with your with your brokerage firm yes. for a project. And um, and then we met V uh, at, at your office, like you said, yeah. uh, for that particular project. And uh, we really loved how you handled us, how you explained things to us. We really love your style. Uh, and then we started working together. So how many years now we've been working together? Maybe I would say four or five years. Yeah, it's been a while. Well, yeah. your your building's almost completed. So Yeah, four or five years. And in those four or five years, we've talked a lot about many, many projects. And so what I really like what you're saying is, one, when when we first met you, when Ban and I first met you, uh, we really did not know much about the pre-construction real estate uh, industry because we had our own home, we had our own primary residence, but we really were novices at the pre-construction. And working with you over time, we have become smarter in pre-construction, and uh, I think we're making better decisions. But what I really enjoy uh, about our relationship is the fact that you bring us ideas, you bring us new projects, you bring us new developments and you say, hey, Vu, Ban, here's something I would like you to look at. And I think that's important because, you know, I'm a doctor, I work in the Emerge. I'm, I may be a surgeon, I may be a plastic surgeon, I'm busy. I don't have time to scout out these developments. So what are the ty different type of services that you offer to your clients other than you know, proposals of, of different projects. What are the different things you do in your daily job when you were working with clients? Name, just name a few, just so that we get a sense of what your role is. I mean, I'm, obviously I'm client focused and every client is different. Every client has a different parameter. So I know you guys look at pre-construction, so I'll send you those types of deals. I have another other clients who look like looking at resale homes or resale condos. I'll send them those type of deals. It's it, every, everyone's different, but I'm 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 a deal junkie. I like I actually like shopping for my clients more than I like shopping for myself. If that makes sense. Yeah, well, yeah, you shop for us, but you shop for yourself as well. I mean, why not? I mean, you might as well. And so after the after the sale, so we go and look at the um, developer together. We go look at the uh, development. We look at the models. We look at the sale center. We go together. And then uh, finally, we decide to buy. So we buy, we sign on the, on the dotted line. I want floor plan A, floor plan F, whatever it is. And then we pay the structure along the way over two, three years. And then within those two, three years, how does your role change for that particular one development? Um, to be honest, within that time frame, I, our, our job is just uh, anything that the builder needs and vice versa, you. And, it, and then the, the last part about the cycle is find you a tenant once the building completes. Right now, we're, we're dealing with your uh, corporation. So and That's right. leading that, just figuring out what the best solution is for for you. That's right. So what V is talking about is when we purchase uh, one of the units and we purchased those, what, three years ago? It's been three years now. I can't remember. It's been too long. Well, because it, we bought them right before the pandemic. Yeah. And oh, the yeah. Right? We bought them right before the pandemic. 
maybe even before that i think oh okay so and and it got delayed a little bit because of the pandemic and so we're now three and something years later but when we first bought them we bought them under our personal name and now we want to change it so that it's assigned to our to our corporation so myself my sister my family we created a corporation to hold real estate and so we use now the corporation to hold this particular project. And so that's how V is now helping us in discussion with the developer in finalizing those papers. And once once the project is done and we have interim closing, that is the closing, the first closing before the final closing, there could be a few months to six months where there's a final closing. And during that period is interim closing where we can rent out to tenants. And yeah. so that's where I would use V again as our real estate to find tenants. Yeah, we'll, we'll get a really good tenant. During that same time, I was looking at another development on the Danforth. So if people know where Toronto is, you'll know where the Danforth is. It's like the Greek town. It's very populated. It's, it's very cultural. It's a nice. It's a nice area. The one that V proposed is Midtown, and it has a subway right below it. <laughs> and in terms of builder, it was the one that we chose that you proposed was also a better builder. Yeah. A, a, a more reputable builder and a more high quality builder. And finally, the the type of tenants that we're going to attract for this yeah, particular definitely. unit is, is, I think, a different type of tenants that we would have attracted at the 100%. other at the other unit on the Danforth. Uh yeah. and we when we say different type is we were looking for professionals, we were looking for uh people who have a certain level of education who worked in the midtown financial area. And so when when V and I are talking about location location location, we're talking about location in terms of where the physical space is, but also location in what type of tenants you're going to attract. And so for those reasons, we went with V's suggestion. And, and I think it was the best suggestion out of the two. This is really important that you touch up on this. Uh, yeah, wherever you're buying, that correlates to your, your tenant pool. I was just talking to another client that we're going to start shopping for soon. She... She lives in Richmond Hill, so ideally she wants something that's close to her home. I think her parents live in Scarborough. She's like, oh, why don't we do something close to her home or Scarborough? But I, I told her the same thing. So whatever location you're buying, that's the type of tenant pool you'll attract. Okay. So I, let's come back to the brokerage firm, right? Okay. Um, because you work with a, with a real estate firm that has access to... Uh, pre-construction to a lot of the developers. Yeah. So explain to us why is that important to work with such firms? Yeah. So if you're looking to buy pre-construction, there's only so many agents that get first access. And I I, I personally knew about the pre-construction world because I started my career working at the sales office. Uh, that's how I actually met the guy who I'm working with uh, today it's again it's relationship industry um, you need to have a proven track record for these developers for them to treat you well <laughs> get you the right units and you know sell for them so tell us what what you meant by treat you well and give you access so 
let's say I am a Remington, I am a Tridel, and I want to build a building on this street corner. What what happens? How do they reach out to you? Why do they reach out to you? And what do they expect you and your firm to do? Their first rounds of allocation is always to a group like ours, where we've done business with them throughout the years. They know that we can sell them, giving us that first access. Uh, we help them with marketing. So more people know what their projects, they'll give us the right units. Like, you know, something you've bought recently that there's this one unit. I think there was only three layouts in the whole building. And it was really hard to get the unit. We managed to get the unit for you. One, you guess first, you guys get first dibs. You get to choose before everybody else. And when you when I say you guys get to choose, you get to choose for your clients. That's what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> you get to choose for your clients first and first dibs. Now, why is it important? Remind us again. I, I said it in my previous podcast, but why is it important to have first access? And which which I think you guys in your industry call platinum or call VIP access, yeah, right? So so why is it important? Because you are getting what the most desirable layout at the best pricing, best incentive. Anything that's left over is basically a price increase and less options. Typically, they will release it to your VIP partners how long before they actually you know, launch into the market. Typically, are we talking about a month, two months? What is it exactly? It really depends on the market and the project. So in a hot market, we can sell that building before it ends up to normal realtors. In a not so hot market, then it takes a bit of, then they'll give us longer yeah. to sell. So just to give us a certain scale between releasing to you and by the time it's released into the other real estate agent into the normal market, what kind of discount are we looking at? Just roughly. Uh, it's tens of thousands. Tens of thousands. So... Uh, I can give you a, I can give you a, a certain idea. So the the one that we bought at Midtown, uh, where we went in very early, what was the cost again? The cost of that unit was close to five hundred something, and so we went in. We signed on the dotted line. We bought those units, and then the launch was, I believe, if I remember well, was about a month later. The official launch to the regular people, yeah. right? And I think you told me that by the time it launched to the regular people and it, the word is out on the street, the increase was about 30 to 40,000. Yeah, that's that's normal. Right. And so so I, would I would I say would I be right if I say between the the VIP offering and the launch into the public we're talking somewhere between maybe 8 to 10%. So but it's not it's not insignificant when we're talking about 30 to 40,000 difference. Okay, so we talked about one, understanding your your budget. What can you budget for? Two, stick with your budget. Three, make sure you're you're buying from a reputable developer. Location, location, location. And location also affects your tenant pool. And and then make sure that you work with a real estate agent that are in that industry. So for example, we've been talking about pre-construction. So work with real estate agents who specialize in 
pre-construction. What if I wanted, you know, buy to buy strip malls, you know, malls with multiple units, and I, that's what I that's what I want to do and invest in. I would not go to a pre-con real estate agent. No, you won't. No. Like you see all these real estate agents, they advertise, they do like everything, but no. When you get to a certain asset class, it becomes very niche. Say if you told me you wanted to buy a big, you know, $10 million strip mall, I would actually refer to you, one of my colleagues I've worked with in the past that now deals with that more than I do. Right. Right. Like we talked about, I remember, um, I think during the peak of pandemic, you were thinking about buying a couple of houses, kind of duplexes, triplex. I referred you to one of my old former colleagues. You did. Yeah. So what I had asked, V to do as I said for some reason I'm like V I'm interested in looking at multifamily right that was the I that was the thing I requested I said I wanted to look at multifamily resale uh in non-urban areas uh and so V referred me to one of her colleagues but I don't understand multifamily as much as I understand pre-construction and and I've just you know mentally decided to stay in pre-construction you need to be more hands-on If you're gonna do multifamily, correct? You need to be more hands-on. It requires more hands-on. <laughs> yeah, which which is not me. I, I like I already do too many things, uh, medicine medicine-wise, that I don't need to be that much hands-on. You bring up a good point. If you decide, and you're gonna hear people all over all over podcasts, okay? And that's why the idea the idea of multifamily came to me because I was listening to different podcasts on real estate. And obviously, people who do multifamily rave about multifamily, how great it is, how much you can make, and how much rent you can make, and how, you know, all those great things until you realize, wait a minute, I need to get my hands dirty. And that's when you realize it doesn't really fit my lifestyle. It doesn't fit my career. It doesn't fit my profession. Especially when it's outside the GTA. And you also have to think about what type of tenant you're getting. That's true, right? They're not the tech, finance, insurance, medical professionals that a downtown condo would give you. They're- That's right. And so, if you're if you're if you want to invest in multifamily, you have to recognize and acknowledge the fact that you're going to be attracting different pool of tenants. There's going to be different types of challenges, uh, but also um, you are going to be having more hands-on. And especially if it's outside where you live, then you have to travel. But if you happen to live in a smaller suburban area and and you're okay to manage that and to travel not too far, then multifamily may be a good solution for you. I'm not saying it's not. I'm just saying that it it really did not fit my profile and my my lifestyle. If you're going to re- invest in real estate, you have to be careful that it really does matches your schedule and matches your lifestyle because people on podcasts out there will will rave about whatever they they like to invest in. So some people will invest in multifamily, some people will will rave about commercial buildings, other people will rave about raw land. I I rave about pre-construction because it fits me really well, but it's definitely not the only thing that we can invest in. Yeah, that's correct. We talked uh, we mentioned the word assignment earlier and I just want to maybe from your perspective uh, you you mentioned it, it's a, a bloodbath out there. <laughs> you mentioned that yeah. earlier. May, explain to us what assignment is and why did you use the term it's a bloodbath now? I mean, obviously, it's not always, not always a bloodbath. But so what is an assignment to begin with? 
Okay. Uh, an assignment sale is when you're buying the rights to an agreement that someone purchased the early stage from the builder. You're just buying the paper off them because they haven't closed on it. They don't own the property yet. You're buying the co their contract. Okay. So I'll give you a concrete example. I bought a unit three years ago and I, I put my deposit and I have my contract in hand and I'm waiting for my unit to be built, let's say next year, 2024. And between now and then, I'm like, oh man, uh, I met this really nice girl. She lives in San Francisco. I'm going to move to San Francisco. I, I don't want to keep this unit anymore. I don't want to buy it. I don't want to close on it. I need to, I need to sell it. So I'm going to sell whatever I own, which is a piece of paper right now. So I'm going to sell this piece of paper and the right to final close on that unit. So that if I sold it to V, it's an assignment sell to V, right? So V is going to buy my right to own that unit in 2024. So how does that work a little bit? What are the yeah. things we need to think about? I actually brought one of my own condo on assignment sale. Okay. So describe that to us a little bit. What were the things you were looking at or looking for? I, I want to buy that assignment sale at the time because the resale market was too hot and I needed extra time to close. It gave me an extra six months uh, and I got a better deal than what I would have paid for on the resale market. That's the only time an assignment sale would make sense. So just keep in mind assignment sale, the closing is you're closing on a pre-construction, which is exponentially higher than a resale property. You have your interim occupancy fee. There's HST involved, uh, development charges, even the lawyer fees are more on assignment sale. So whatever, when you're looking at assignment sale, the only time you want to buy it is when it's a lot cheaper than the comparable within the area. Comparable uh, resale. Yeah. So you want, it has to be cheaper than resale. If it's not cheaper than resale, it doesn't make sense because it just, you're, you're it, the close of cost is too high. And you're right. also... And depending on the market, so in a really hot market, uh, the person who's selling the assignment would want a lot of cash up front. They want their deposits and uh, deposit, original deposit they paid to the builder and the profit up front. Right now, everything's like negotiable just because the, the market, the assignment market is like, it's really, it's, it's bloodbath because a lot of people who bought pre-construction, a number of them are not able to qualify at current interest rates. There's, I've been seeing a lot of deals that are just kind of break even, people losing money right now. Uh, let me just unpack that a little bit. So right now in Toronto and the GTA or even in the in Ontario, it may be different elsewhere. Because the interest rate has gone up, those who bought pre-construction are thinking of closing now in the, or very near future, but they can't get bank approval for um, the final closing for their for their mortgage. So they... They need to get out of the deal. They need to sell this contract to someone else. And so if I'm looking at buying that contract, I'm saying, I'm going to take it off your hands, V. I'm going to take it off. I'll, I'll do it. But to do that, because I know you're in dire straits, I'm going to try to negotiate my way down, right? And and V, because she needs to get out of it, she really, really need to get out of it, then she will, she will compromise more. Yeah. And so it's possible that, if you're doing an assignment sale, V, and you're trying to sell your contract, you may lose out money at, at this current at, at this, in this current market. At this current market, so at this current market, if I'm an investor, uh, this is a good time to do assignment sale. Well, maybe not because the the resale 
price is also lower. Yeah. And then right now I've been uh, looking at a number of assignment deals. Not, not, not all assignments are good. A lot of assignments right now are more expensive than resale. Right. Because so it doesn't make sense to buy an assignment. It only makes sense, again, like you say, bottom line, it, it only makes sense if the assignment deal is cheaper than the resale in a comparable asset. Yes. Very good. So uh, thank you for sharing that. I think it's important that people understand what assignment is, especially when it's uh, in the context of a pre-construction. Okay, so we've kind of exhausted uh, everything that I, at least I had in mind uh, about you know what to think for and look for. Anything else that we didn't talk about that you still think we should uh, at least... You actually Kinda covered the topic that I had written down. Oh, what was that? Yeah, you covered everything. It's, I covered I, everything. Yeah, I basically had notes on knowing your budget, doing pre-approval, uh, getting a right realtor, being in a triple A location, which correlates to neighborhood tenants, future transit infrastructure developments, uh, and then the different options of resale, pre-construction assignment commercial and then yeah closing costs we kind of oh, talked about okay so you, can we that's that's a good point so let's talk about that because um tell us about closing costs and what to look for now it's very nice that i want to buy a house at a million dollars and i got a million exactly right <laughs> it, it won't work <laughs> because i there's lawyer fees involved in all that so tell us a little bit about closing costs Okay, so closing costs are different depending on what segment you're buying in. If it's a resale residential property, that's the lowest. You're paying your land transfer tax, your legal fee, uh, an appraisal. It's the, the basic. If it's pre-construction, it gets more complicated. Pre-construction assignments, it's the same thing as pre-construction, new built. You have HST involved. So if you're an investor, you have to pay CRA 24000 roughly. After we find you a tenant that signs a lease for a one-year period, you file for an HST rebate back and you get that within a couple months. Uh, that's So that's just HST. You have your development charges. Every builder, every project is a different cap because the city keeps on increasing development charges every year a lot. Uh, so look for that in the agreement. Your lawyer will point that out, uh, development. And you have all these caps and different charges that that's involved in new, building a new building. So kind of development charge you're looking, it's it's just composed of parks, uh, schooling, infrastructure, police, everything that you can think of that the city pays for. Uh, the other, uh, yeah, in terms of closing. So when you're paying rent to the builder, before final closing, you have to set aside that a fee for that. So right now, obviously, because interest rates have gone up a lot, I've noticed my clients' deals right now that they're, like, the, the, the payments are a lot more than what it would have been last year. So if I, I were to if I were to summarize closing costs to be aware of and to be to anticipate one uh, legal costs, so the lawyer. Uh, two, if you're an investor and you want to rent it out, there's HST that you need to pay upfront. You do get that money back a few months later, but you have to pay that upfront. And you don't get back 100%, by the way. Uh, you get close to it, about 90-something percent, but you don't get 100% back. So lawyer fee, HST, uh, development charges. There are no land transfer tax, right, in a pre-con? Oh, yeah, land, land transfer tax as well. There is a land transfer tax in a pre-con. 
those are the three big ones. Yeah, right. And then there's a bunch of small ones. That's right. Those are the three big ones. Just to give us an idea, how much more do we need to prepare for? So the lawyer fee, we're talking about somewhere between three to five thousand, right? Possibly. The HST is based on the value of the asset, right? And so typically, let's say a million dollar unit. HST, it's it's weird. So although it's, it should be on the value unit, they have a little cap, but it's around like 24,000. 24,000. So 24,000, let's just use that as our, our, as our example. So 24,000 plus the, let's call it 5,000 for the lawyer. It probably shouldn't be that much, but let's just say round it up. 5,000. So that's 29,000 already. And the development charges could be as high as 15,000, right? I've seen, I've seen yeah, 10. Recently. Yeah, I've seen 10, but uh, it could uh, go as high as 15. So let's just say, let's plan for another 15. Uh, we said 29 plus 15, or oh, we're almost at 44,000. If you're buying a $1 million unit, uh, you pay 20% down. So you're mortgaging the other eight hundred thousand, but at closing you still have to come up with a forty-four, forty-five thousand dollars to close to close the deal. And your interim occupancy fees. And your interim occupancy, oh, which is a few a months. Thousand, yeah, thousands of dollars every month. Thousands of dollars, right? So, uh, currently, let's let's say two thousand five hundred for a for a unit of you know six hundred, seven hundred square feet. So Actually, that could. That that what? number right now is like over two thousand. It's like three thousand something. It's like three thousand now. Oh my god. Okay. So let's just add three thousand times six months. How about that? So let's just say eighteen thousand. So the forty five thousand plus eighteen thousand were almost at uh, fifty two. No, sixty sixty three thousand. Right. So we're at sixty three thousand. So what you're saying is, and we have to remember this. Thank you for reminding us that to to close on your deal. You still need roughly somewhere between 50 to 60 something thousand to really close on that unit. In addition to the 20% that you put down, in addition to whatever you mortgage from the bank. Yeah. Good. Okay. So those are pre-construction and V is an expert and, uh, and she keeps reminding us, uh, Vu, <laughs> you need to remember this. I'm like, yes, that's right. I always forget. So thank you very much, V for sharing your uh, your expertise with us. Thank you very much, V, for your time. No problem. Thank you so much. This was a lot of fun. Very good. Very good. I, I hope you'll come back next time. We'll chat about some other real estate deals. Sounds good. Anytime. Thank you very much for listening this far, and I hope you have enjoyed this episode on pre-construction. If you want to understand more, I have another episode also on pre-construction and listening to the two together can give you a better idea. This is just a primer. This is not making you an expert. So if you do want to play in this type of real estate investment, I do suggest that you listen to more podcasts about pre-construction and see if this type of real estate investment is for you. And it may not be, but at least now you know what it is. Before I end this episode, I would like to remind the audience of the Code Green Financial Literacy Conference for Physicians that is happening on February 2nd, 2024 in North York at the Novotel Hotel at Three Park Home. So that is in North York. It's a one-day in-person conference with lots of 
financial topics specifically geared for physicians. So please go and have a look at our website, www.codegreenfinancial.com. You will find all the information there, a list of speakers and the different topics. And we do have an early bird special, which is $150 plus HST until December 31st. And after that, from January 1st until even to the day of the conference, which is February 2nd, the price goes up to $200 plus HST. So please go and visit our website and look at the conference speakers and topics at www.codegreenfinancial.com. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.